All right, Galatians chapter 5. I want to read verses 25 through 26 together. Paul writes this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now we are dropping into a bigger conversation here, and we're going to be touching on parts of that bigger conversation this week and next. We see the tail end of it with verse 26 as he gives a caution. But here's what he says. We have, the Christian has spiritual life because of the Holy Spirit. You are spiritually alive as a Christian because of the Holy Spirit. When Paul says, if we live by the Spirit. He isn't questioning that we live by the Spirit. He's stating that we do live by the Spirit. The NIV translates it this way, since we live by the Spirit. We are alive with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual life coming to us through the Holy Spirit is something we see throughout Scripture. We saw it last week in Ezekiel chapter 37 where God speaks to Ezekiel and takes him to this valley of dry bones, dry, dead bones. And he says, prophesy that these bones come together and the bones come together. And then he says, speak to the, to the muscle and sinew and they, the muscle begins to form and attach to the bones and skin begins to cover the bones and, it, and you've got a full-blown corpse because the Bible says it was not alive. And God says, speak to the wind, to the breath, to breathe inside of it life. And the Holy Spirit breathed life into this corpse and raised it up. The Holy Spirit is the one who breathes life, spiritual life into us. You remember the night when Jesus, Nicodemus came to Jesus and he, he said, teach me about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again, new birth by the Spirit. And then in chapter 3 of Titus, we're also told that it's the Holy Spirit who brings regeneration or re-life to us. Life living, rebirth. Titus chapter 3 verse 4 says, When the goodness and loving kindness of our God, of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because of what we did, not because of our righteousness, but according to His own mercy, are we saved? It's by His mercy. That's what saved us. By the washing of regeneration, new life, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So let me tell you this. When you became a Christian, and by the way, don't, don't be bothered if you don't remember the exact moment. I don't know the exact moment I became saved. It was a process. Now, there was a moment. So, but when you became a Christian, you did not become a perfect person. Amen? Your spouse didn't become a perfect person. Your kids didn't become perfect people. Your parents didn't become perfect people. All your problems did not go away. I remember when I became a Christian, all my problems went away. I haven't had a problem since. How many can say that? You still have mess in your life. All the problems didn't go away. You didn't become a perfect person. I didn't become a perfect person, but something changed at that moment. You are not the same person you were. Because at that moment, the Holy Spirit breathed 
life, spiritual life. We were dead in our sins. We are now made alive. That's the Holy Spirit breathed life into you. The principle of life began to beat in your heart. You began to want to serve God, love God. Where you didn't care about Him, now you want to know Him. You want to obey Him. You want to love Him. You know Him. Your spirit, the Holy Spirit within you cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. You went from spiritual death to spiritual life. The life switch got switched on by the Holy Spirit. But for Paul, that's the beginning. That's not the end. Paul moves, as he often does, from the indicative. This is what God did. You live by the Spirit. He moves to the imperative, command. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's what we should do. So what God has done, He's made us alive. What we should do, keep in step with the Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. If the person sitting next to you is a Christian, they have the Holy Spirit. But you do not necessarily have your lives equally powered by the Holy Spirit. You are not necessarily equally filled by the Holy Spirit. Your lives are not necessarily equally aligned to the Holy Spirit. See, living by the Spirit is what happens when we receive Christ. But keeping in step with the Spirit, that does not happen automatically. That is something we are to go after. Keeping in step with the Spirit tells me that the Spirit is always moving, always on the move, always working, always doing something. He's not sitting dormant. He's not just stagnating in your life, you know, and every once in a while maybe you need Him. He is constantly moving, and Paul's saying, keep, in, keep up with Him. Keep up with what the Spirit is doing. Since you're alive by the Spirit, keep, alive, keep up with what the Spirit is doing. And that's what I want to look at over the next couple of weeks. What does that mean? What does that mean in daily life to keep in step with the Spirit? In the Bible school that I attended, where I met Janice, best thing that came out of those years at the Bible school by far. But one speaker came and he had this really cool way of talking about, he would do this constantly through his mouth. He says, he says, guys, you got to learn the rhythm of the Spirit. You got to get into the rhythm of the Spirit. I thought, yeah, it's pretty cool. And he had this southern drawl. You got to get into the rhythm. Everybody snap your fingers if you know how. <laughs> we can do that, right? Get in the rhythm of the Spirit. But I'm not sure how much that helped us actually know what that means. Because here's what happens. You're in the rhythm of the Spirit. You know, we can all do this in service. Immediately you get done and something goes wrong. You get into an argument with your spouse. Your kids disobey. You, you have an accident. You hit a marathon run or something happens. And all of a sudden the rhythm is like, I, I don't even know where the Spirit is. I don't know how to stay in rhythm with the Spirit. What does it mean to keep in rhythm or keep in step with the Spirit when life 
knocks you out of any kind of rhythm. The word translated, the Greek word for keep in step with the Spirit, means to walk in cadence with the Spirit. It means to be on the same page, to be in alignment, to walk in the same direction at the same pace with the Spirit. Paul mentions then a few things that we know are not in keeping with the Spirit. If you're conceited, you're not walking in step with the Holy Spirit. If I'm provoking other people, I'm not walking in step with the Holy Spirit. If I'm envying, boy, I wish I had what they had, I'm not in step with the Holy Spirit. But what does keeping in step with the Spirit look like? Again, in daily life. You're driving to a job you hate. How do you keep in step with the Spirit? You have a boss who's out to get you. You're a young mom and you feel like all your life is right now just changing dirty diapers. How do you keep in step with the Spirit? Or parents dealing with an angry teenager. If you had an argument with your spouse on the way to church this morning, this morning and it's the same argument, you've been around the same mountain again and again and again and again. And you're sitting here and you've got a smile on your face that you've pasted on, but inside you're really discouraged. What does keeping in the Spirit look like in that moment? Or let's say you're getting knocked down by the same sin over and over again. And you cherish the forgiveness of Christ. But you wonder, where is the power to stop this sin in my life? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Now, I don't want to oversell this. I wish I had it all figured out. I don't want you like, okay, I'm going to learn all the lessons from Alan. I'm actually, I don't have it all figured out. And I'm learning as you are. And I'm maybe a toddler. I should be in the red room with my keeping in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's got to go, come on, Alan, come on. But I want to drop us into some of the bigger conversation that Paul has, because Paul sure knew what it was. And it will help us to begin to put some handles on what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And this morning I just have one big point for us to consider, and it's this. Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us to live by faith in His power, not in our own strength. Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us to live by faith in His power, not in our own strength. The Spirit of God is always moving. He's always moving in the opposite direction of the flesh. The flesh, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's not talking about your skin and bones. It's talking about, really, primarily, the sinful desires we have. The word actually means over-desires. The things we want too much that become an idol before God. Our flesh, our desires, sinful desires, war against the Spirit. The Spirit wars against the flesh. You know what that means? It means you, every Christian, has a war going on inside of them. There is a war going inside, on inside your life. That's why you don't feel like you're, you know, there's just this constant tug of war. And one of the big ways this war is fought is where do we go for strength? Where do we turn for strength in our lives? Now listen, here's what was going on with the Galatians. The Galatians' Christian walk started out strong, 
because they started out weak. Paul came to Galatia. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know the Bible. They had pagan gods all over the place. They had no relationship with God. They, they had nothing to offer God. No way to access God and, and earn anything from God. They were weak. And Paul came and preached a gospel of the grace of God, the mercy of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to save you, to change your life, to change your eternal destiny, to come into your life. They received that gospel by faith. Yes. Salvation was given to them freely. They received the Holy Spirit by faith. They began to see the power of the Spirit, the working of the Spirit in their lives, even miracles in their lives by faith. Because they were totally dependent. They had nothing to bring to God, so they were totally dependent. God, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. I got nothing to earn this from you. They started out strong because they started out weak. But then Judaizers came in and they said to them, listen, Jesus gave you a really good start here. He earned a lot of the righteousness you need. Now you need to finish it up and you can do it. You can do it. You're good enough. Believe in Jesus, but also believe in yourself that you can add the righteousness that tips you over and gets a thumbs up from God. You can do it. And they started to believe that. They started to be strong in their own abilities, their own righteousness, their own keeping of the law. If I get circumcised, if I do this, if I do that, God's going to be thumbs up. Way to go. Paul writes to them in chapter 3, Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now going to end this thing, finish this thing, perfect this thing by your own flesh and efforts, by the law, by doing good, by your efforts, by your strengths? Now let's bring this home for us because I think this is incredibly easy for us to do. We start out trusting Christ for our salvation. But somewhere along the line, we begin to think that now it's up to us. Now it's up to us. Instead of faith in the Spirit's power, we put our faith in our own strength. And the flesh loves that. The flesh loves that. The flesh loves the idea that you can be good enough to earn God's acceptance. If you're religious enough, and you go to church enough, and you read the Bible enough, and you pray enough, and you... You're this enough and that enough. You don't do this and you don't do that. You get this sense. Number one, it puts you in control. Trusting in Jesus Christ and Him only, like, I, what do I do? But trusting that if I keep these five or these ten or these whatever number of rules gets me to be righteous in the eyes of God, well, that I can handle. It might be hard, but I've got, I've got a handle on that. And now, so the flesh loves that. Not only that, I, I get the credit. I get the credit. When a, when a believer or a church becomes legalistic, 
they're going to go in one direction or another. They either are like really proud of how good they're doing and look down on others, or they're going to be really condemned and discouraged because they're not doing good enough. Because we start looking to our strength, our flesh, for strength. And so legalism really does toggle us back and forth from strength to weakness, from being proud of our strength to being discouraged by our weakness. The flesh offers us both options. You go the, to the flesh, it's, it's got the strength option and it's got the weakness option. You can pick whichever one you want. I've toggled back and forth. The strength option is the, I can do this. I can do it. I can beat this sin. I can discipline myself enough to do what I need to do. I can make this work. It's the strength. I am strong. I want to appear strong. Jesus, thank you for your help. When I need your help, I'll ask for it. How many, how many guys, you don't like asking for direction? I'm like that. Like, we're lost. I don't want to ask for directions. I don't want to pull over. And we're like that with God. You know what? I don't want to bug God. I can do this. That's the strength option. That's the strength option. When things go wrong in our lives, our first response is, okay, I need to manage this. I need to get control of this. I need to figure out what went wrong and I need to work on this. If things go really bad, you say, okay, I'm going to learn from this and do better next time. Now, that, I'm not saying that's wrong. But if that's our first response, then we're turning to ourselves for strength rather than God. When we go through trials and heartaches, the strength option is put on a strong front, stiff upper lip and all that. Don't let anybody know what's going on in your life. We don't like asking for help. We don't like asking for prayer because we're strong. And asking for help and asking for prayer might look weak. But the flesh has a weak option too. And, and, and the weak option, option is different than the, the weakness the Spirit encourages. We're going to look at what the Spirit encourages in us. But the flesh weakness is different because it's a weakness that's all about us. It's a weakness that parks us in self-pity. We are parked in poor me. We whine and we complain. And I'm, I'm so weak. And, and I'm such this and I'm such that. And, you know, we park in self-pity. You ever notice there are some people who are really good at weakness. Like that's their strength. They, they, they wallow in weakness. Weakness is their identity. So some of us have Strength is our identity. Some of us have weakness as our identity. But when it's from the flesh, it either parks us in pride or parks us in pity. And we can Christianize that by basically we are constantly sinning and just admitting we're sinning, but no expectation of change. I've been to men's meetings. And I've done this, guys. I'm not saying others do it. I do this. We share, you know, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, yeah, actually, I'm struggling with that too. Yeah, you know what? I, I've been struggling with this and with that. And, uh, you know, and I'm, 
Okay, good meeting. We'll see you next week. And so the weakness isn't a weakness moving anywhere. It's a weakness parked in the weakness. So the flesh can take us in one of two directions, towards strength or towards weakness. So what direction then does that leave for the Holy Spirit to take us in? Well, the Holy Spirit, I submit to you, takes us, keeping in step with the Spirit, takes us in a direction of weakness, towards weakness, and towards strength. It's a completely different weakness and strength than the flesh. I want you to think back on the moment when you first received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If the gospel is correctly presented to you, you abandoned all your efforts. You put them on the altar. You threw them away. You not only threw your sin on the altar, you threw your good works on the altar. Neither commend you to God. It was all about what Jesus did and nothing else. You came weak. You came empty-handed. And you just received nothing in my hands I bring. I simply cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you experienced forgiveness and, and grace and mercy and the hope of His resurrection in you. You put all your hope and trust in Him. You knew you couldn't save yourself. The gospel cadence of the Spirit leads us to, put, to do the same thing all the time, every day. To put all our faith, all our trust, all our hope in Jesus Christ, and none in our flesh. The Bible says no one can confess Jesus Christ as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And no one can deny Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is always glorifying, always shining the light, always pointing us to Jesus and saying, trust Him, trust Him, believe in Him, depend on Him. Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us to a day-by-day, moment-by-moment trust and dependence on Christ and the Holy Spirit to impart spiritual life, which means the Spirit leads us in the direction of weakness. I am completely dependent on Him. Completely. I am weak. I need Him. We learn, like Paul, to boast in our weakness, knowing that God's power in us, His strength is perfected in our weakness. So we're going in the direction of weakness and strength at the same time because we're confessing our weakness to God and depending on Him. And, and God gives us strength. So we're going in the direction of weakness and strength at the same time. Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us to recognize our weakness, but the Spirit doesn't park us in our weakness. The Spirit is always about forward motion in our lives. He leads us from weakness to faith in His strength. He leads us from our weakness, our utter weakness, our utter bankruptcy, our utter inability to faith in His strength. So we don't stop at the weakness. We don't park in the weakness. We admit the weakness. We confess it. We're honest about it. We don't park there. We move from that to faith in His strength. 
Spirit weakness isn't paralyzed, it's moving. It leads us to prayer. Faith releases God's strength in our lives so we grow weaker and stronger at the same time. So when our weakness leads us to God, we become incredibly strong. I mean, think of, think of the Bible people. In other words, what I, I want to lead us away from this idea of fleshly strength, I can do it, but also away from fleshly weakness. Oh, poor me, I just can't, I'll never change, and I'm always this. We look at the Bible people. Joseph had an unbreakably strong integrity. Daniel had an unbreakably strong courage in the face of change and disorientation and, and loss. Ruth had a strong confidence in God. Paul was strong in his commitment to preach the gospel anywhere he went, even if it cost him his life. Those are not weak things. Those are not weak people, but they are. Because they're weak in themselves and they're trusting in God and He is giving them strength. That's keeping in step with the Spirit. That's keeping in step with the Spirit. So, we begin to see with eyes of faith God working in the ordinary points in our life. Where is your life right now? Where is your life right now? What's going on in your life? What are the... What are the mountaintops? What are the valleys? What are the hardships? What are the, what are the demands? What are the challenges? What is it that makes you at the end of the day say, man, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I, I hope I can convey this. Don't stiff upper lip it. But don't give in to it either. Man, be honest about your weakness. Be honest with God. And by the way, among trusted friends, be honest with them too. Don't be afraid to share your weakness. But always look beyond the weakness. Embrace the weakness. Trust God for His strength. So young moms changing those diapers. Realize how precious that season is. And yeah, sometimes at the end of the day, you might be like, I cannot look at another dirty diaper. But God will give you grace. That strength isn't going to be like super mom. It's going to be quiet grace, quiet strength. And faith to see the beautiful, beautiful privilege you have. Parents with angry teens, an angry teen, a sullen teen, a surly teen. And I suppose I should talk to you teens who have surly parents. But we don't just look at the behavior, we look at the heart. It's like, what does keeping in step with the Spirit look like in dealing with them? How do I drop into their life? How do I enter their narrative? How do I understand? How do I serve them? How do I love them? What does it look like, Spirit? I'm so weak. I'm so weak. Couples struggling with conflict. So here's the point I want to bring. Begin, begin with prayer. 
Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us to depend on God. I'm learning that in new ways. Depend on God. Go to God. Keeping in step with the Spirit means instead of us saying, okay, I'm going to do this, God, hope you're with me, we go to God and say, God, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your love. I'm having a hard time loving. I need your, your, your courage. I'm afraid. Go to God in prayer. Then, as we go to God in prayer, we bring these things to God in prayer. We embrace our weakness. We don't run from it. We embrace it. I am weak. We embrace it, not to park there, but to receive strength from God. That's prayer. That's Holy Spirit bringing us into the presence of God to embrace our weakness, embrace His strength, even as we did at the beginning when we got saved. And then we go from there. And then the Spirit might be saying things like, here's how you could do this thing differently. Here's how I want you to approach that teenager. Here's what I want you to do in your marriage. Here's how I want you to invest in your healthier marriage and time together. And it may be just spending more time together. Keeping in step with the Spirit. It's not a formula. It's not a formula. There's no formula this thing. But keeping in step with the Spirit might lead one of you, one couple, to just spend more time together, and that's all it took. Or talk more. And for another couple, it might mean getting counsel. And keeping in step with the Spirit might be after you've carried your weakness to God, the Lord wants to help you bring someone else into it and get counsel. This is not just go to God in prayer. Start with God in prayer and then let Him lead you. Keeping in step with the Spirit. But we begin, where do we go for strength? That's the point this morning I just want to reiterate in our hearts. It's a point I feel like I'm trying to learn. God's trying to teach me. Where do you go for strength? Keeping in step with the Spirit goes to Him. In prayer, embrace your weakness, and then let Him birth strength in you. He's got it for you. He's got it for you to break that sin, break that chain, lift your heart, give you courage, whatever it takes. Go to God in prayer. Let's go to Him right now in prayer. Lord, what I... What can be a little frustrating in a message like this, but what is also a blessing in this is that there's not like three keys. There's not a formula. There's not a do this and everything works out. It, it is all about our relationship with you. It drives us to you. It draws us to you. You invite us into your presence, Lord. So, Lord, for one of us, our weakness might be one thing, and for another, our weakness might be another thing. Our weakness might be our strength. We feel like we've got it all together. We're very religious people. We're pretty good. We're pretty moral. And that strength is crippling us, like the Galatians, because it is moving us away from your strength and your mercy and grace and towards our own flesh. For another, it might be they feel paralyzed by life, overwhelmed by life. Whatever it is, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead us, lead us where we need to be led. But help us start with this. Help us embrace our weakness and let it drive us and draw us to you in dependence upon you. We need you, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.